thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. My name is Paul Ponce, and I am joined today by Hook Bomberry. How are we doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Paul. Nice to see you again. I think it's been about a decade or so, so pleasure to see your handsome face once again, live and direct uh, on Zoom. So cool. Yeah, um, we we kind of had a very similar experience, although you obviously became a wrestler and I did not. Uh, uh, whereas, you know, we were both fans uh, hanging around APW. I was volunteering for them, but you were a fan for them. Uh, you went and trained on with Pro Wrestling Iron. I did that for a little bit, and the, but I ended up mostly just helping out there. Um, you know, Northern California wrestling scene, I'd say you were there for a pretty good amount of the big boom of indie wrestling in California. You know, with, I would say so. Yeah, SoCal, Northern California, you were there at the inception of PWG, which is a big deal. Uh, mm -hmm. Recently had one of your tag team partners on, uh, Top Gun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Love that guy. Shout yeah. out to Top Gun Talier. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, but let's get started a little bit before that. How did you get into wrestling? And what always interests me more is how you found out about independent wrestling. Because I feel like that, that's a whole different jump to liking wrestling is, oh, wait, there's other wrestling besides, you know, WWF, WCW, and whatever. So let's get into that. Okay, perfect. Um, well, as far as wrestling goes, I grew up uh, in the 80s. You know, I'm a little bit older. So I grew up uh, when Hulk Hogan was around and uh, – it was just what everyone did. So, uh, yeah, I, I grew up watching Hulk Hogan, Coco Beware, The Ultimate Warrior, uh, you know, Jake the Snake, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. So I grew up in that era of watching professional wrestling. I have two older brothers, so it's just something that we did uh, as kids together. Um, my oldest brother, uh, Benjamin, he was uh, really into wrestling, too. So um, it was kind of something that me and him shared. Uh, my other brother, Willie, wasn't so much into it. But, uh, yeah, it's just something that we always watched uh, throughout uh, the 80s. Uh, there was a time when we didn't have cable for a, uh, a few years. Um, and then we picked back up around the Attitude Era or before, a little bit before, um, and started watching it again. So just something that I, I grew up watching, uh, I still watch, and uh, I watched uh, throughout my whole life. So, yep. Nice. And then how do we go from there to discovering the world of well, like many people, I think uh, my start with uh, independent wrestling came from Beyond the Mat. So checking out uh, Beyond the Mat, seeing that documentary, um, that was already what you'd call like a, a smart wrestling fan, uh, quote, quote unquote. I grew up with the internet, so uh, we were already looking at all the dirt sheets that they had back in the day, and then uh, Beyond the Mat came out, so we checked that out, and then we were exposed to uh, all pro wrestling with uh, the famous segment with Roland and uh, Modest and Tony Jones. So uh, that's where I got my start uh, in independent wrestling. And then I realized, well, watching the movie, I'm like, what? That's in the Bay Area? Sick. Um, so I saw the Jim War shows that they were showing on there, like Max Justice yelling at that fan. I was like, oh, man, that's badass. So, um, yeah, from there, uh, I looked at uh, APW. I believe the first APW show I ever went to was the first King of the Indies tournament that they had out in King City, I believe, uh, mm -hmm. where uh, uh, Christopher Daniels won, so the Fallen Angel. So uh, that was super cool, too, because I had uh, become an indie wrestling fan. I did tape trading and all that, too. So, um, you know, I knew all the big names back in the day for indie wrestling. And it was like Chris, uh, Chris Daniels and uh, Mike Quackenbush and all these guys. So, yeah, I grew up. Uh, I came up uh, around that era when those guys were uh, doing good. So. And then what made you decide uh, that it's something you wanted to do, that you wanted to start training? Man, so that, uh, again, is something that we always did. I mean, um, 
growing up as a kid, I was kind of, uh, we were kind of wild kids. So um, first we, we got into like grappling, me and my buddies. So we watched a lot of UFC, the early UFC, just grappling. Uh, and then we started doing backyard wrestling. So it became, uh, it's around the time Mick Foley had his little uh, uh, promo that he did on Raw where he uh, talked about all his uh, backyard wrestling. So me and a bunch of my buddies, we started uh Palo Alto wrestling in Palo Alto, California, where we did a uh, backyard wrestling. Um, and then from there, uh, once I learned, uh, you know, about indie wrestling and the fact that uh, you could train to be a pro wrestler right in Hayward, California with uh, uh, APW, um, I decided probably around 16 or 17 that that's what I wanted to do. And then as soon as I turned 18, um, it was around the time of the second King of the Indies tournament and uh, all the stuff that happened uh, with uh, APW uh, and their trainers leaving and starting their own school. So I was involved in all that, uh, you know, because I was planning on starting at APW. I went and met with Roland. Uh, I never signed a contract. The guy's like a used car salesman. So at the time, he was like <laughs> trying to get me to sign my first time ever meeting him, but I didn't, thankfully. And yeah. uh, thankfully, just for my pocketbook, not to say anything bad about those guys, but um and then uh, Modest and Donovan, uh, along with some of the other guys, uh, started Pro Wrestling Iron. And uh, my 18th birthday, I think I signed up. So that's something I always wanted to do. <clears throat> Very nice. And then how'd you find, uh, you know, once you started training, what was it like training with, with guys like Modest and Morgan and all them? Like, what, what, it, what was your experience like? And what was like the big, like, you know, shocks that came along with it? Probably the biggest shock is, man, it's tough, you know, it's hard, it's hard work. It's not uh, something easy, you know? So yeah, I think they really instilled like, uh, I guess that respect for the business into us because uh, nothing was easy, you know, uh, even the warm ups, the training and that was the main thing uh, that was surprising to me. I thought it would be more of a natural, you know, all my backyard wrestling experience, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think the main thing was, uh, yeah, it was a lot tougher uh, than I thought it was. And another thing too, my main trainer uh, when I first started was uh, dancing Rick Tom uh, Thompson, uh, 70s wrestler from the San Francisco area. I think he did a lot of the Cal Palace shows. He trained Mike Modest. He trained uh, some of the earlier guys at APW. And uh, man, he was phenomenal. He was great. Um, I learned so much from him. Uh, dancing Rick Thompson. I think he moved out to Texas. I know uh, Apollo Khan, our old friend from Pro Wrestling Iron. I know he kept in contact with him for a while. But yeah, I think uh, that was... Uh, pretty awesome and then uh as i said i grew up an apw fan so just uh, having the opportunity to learn from guys like bison smith rest in peace uh vinnie massaro who i watched your episode with vinnie so that was cool. oh, very nice um and then uh, uh modest and donovan of course um was really great uh, but at the same time they were busy uh, going to japan so they came back and forth um you know and uh yeah we knew shit was serious when they were there. Like, Hey, it's going to be a hard day of training because uh, they were really good at it. So yeah, I had a great time. I, I really appreciate everything those guys uh, taught me. So yeah, me and uh, our old, our old buddy, Jesus, we just talked to um, modest a uh, few weeks ago, actually about a month ago. And uh, he was talking a lot about Rick Thompson. He was like, that guy does not get the credit that he deserves as far as, you know, basically building a training program for wrestling in the Bay area like the same program APW still uses to this day, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, it's pretty crazy when you think about it, like how influential he actually was the area. And it's like, it, I feel like you have to be a hardcore nerd to recognize that fact. <laughs> right, yeah. 
you know? Yeah, and he was phenomenal. Even my uh, very first match, uh, if I remember correctly, it was, uh, who was it? Was it me and Jet Taylor? Me and Jet Taylor versus Apollo and uh, Dancing Rick Thompson uh, at that hot, hot, I guess, fights for Pro Wrestling Iron. Um, so I thought it was awesome uh, to be able to wrestle him to uh, live in a match. So, And I don't know how old he was at the time. He had to be uh, in his 50s or even his 60s, but man, he could still go. So yeah, I think he deserves a lot of credit uh, yeah, because he put together that program, the manual, all that stuff that they used to use. Um, so yeah, phenomenal uh, wrestler. What was it like, you know, at this point, like you said, you were smart, you were tape trading, you're doing this stuff. And now you're working on shows and they're working with Noah. And now you got like Masawa on the same card that you're on. Like, what do you, what do you, what is that, what is going through your head during that kind of situation? Well, first off, I want to say I had a cat and, and a, uh, I had two cats. I had uh, Masawa and Kawada who were my cats. So uh, at, a, at the time, uh, yeah, that was phenomenal. It was, uh, it was surreal. It was crazy. Um, yeah, it was a huge, uh, still to this, uh, this day and age, uh, that mid-90s, all Japan uh, wrestling, still my favorite uh, wrestling. So, yeah, to be on the same, my very first show I was ever on was headlined by Masawa. So uh, to have a debut like that was, uh, yeah, just uh, unthinkable just a year earlier. So, yeah, it was crazy. I don't even know how to put it into words, but it was, uh, it was awesome. And what was it like? Uh, Do you have any interaction with him as far as? You know, anything in, well, the, in the air. I mean, you're working on the same show, so, but, you know, he's he's one of those guys that's, he's kind of larger than life, so. Yeah, I mean, not really. Uh, we're kind of the young boys, you know, as they say, so we gave him a, you know, little handshakes, of course, but uh, something I do remember is they all smoked uh, like chimneys, you know, they smoked cigarettes, which was just different. You're not used to that uh, coming in from an athletic uh, standpoint, but uh, I remember we did a show at a high school and uh, they had their own locker room, all the Japanese guys. But, uh, yeah, they were smoking uh, just in the locker room of a high school, which is, to me, yeah. it was crazy because, you know, it's totally against the rules. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we let them do what they wanted to do. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, – they were super nice, though. Uh, I did another thing where we did a tryout for Noah as well, uh, another time when they came out. So they came out two different times, uh, our debut show, and then they came out and did a, a series of shows for us uh, another time as well. Um, so yeah, we did a tryout for them as well. Um, which, to be honest, I wish I did would have done a lot better. You know, it was. I mean, they they uh, on uh, on uh, stretching. So uh, if you guys do want to go to Japan and train in Japan, I would say work on your uh, on your stretching, do some yoga, and uh, do a lot of uh, body weight exercises. Because um, that was one thing I was not flexible at all. So I remember they had me run through. Uh, stretches and i just saw them looking at each other like what the fuck this guy can't this guy can't bend at all so yeah it was uh definitely a learning experience you started uh afterward going into the socal uh scene a little bit just starting off with doing the rev pro shows and then eventually pwg but it's it's pretty early on i mean you were only what i think if if this thing's right you're like less than 10 matches into your pro career and then you're already doing like shows like in socal and everything so what's that like you know you're you're on a show. You just started wrestling. You're on shows with Masawa. You're also like traveling and doing shows in other places. So what, I don't know what's that like. What's what? What did you find different about like the SoCal scene versus the Northern California scene? All that stuff. Um, well, the SoCal scene I think is a lot more uh, lucha inspired. So um, I thought that was different. Um, how that all came about is I was wrestling out there in uh, Sacramento for uh, Big Ugly. He runs uh, 
Supreme Pro Wrestling at the time, and I think they brought in some guys from RevPro uh, to do a weekend show, and I just happened to be working the show, and uh, I guess they liked my work, so uh, they invited me down for some shows down there, too. Um, yeah, but that, uh, you know, um, that was something I always wanted to do, is get out to, and get my name known, you know, I didn't want to just be a local wrestler, uh, and I had always heard all these stories about uh, the reason some other guys left APW is because... Uh, they weren't given the opportunity to travel and, and uh, do their own thing and try to make a career out of it. So um, the, I was at Iron. I kind of just wanted to do that. Like, hey, if you guys are going to give me the freedom to do it, I'm going to try to go out there and, uh, and make a name for myself. So the only way to do that in this business is travel around, put on good matches or try to. So Eventually, you know, uh, PWG starts up and you start teaming with Top Gun Tawa, which is great because he's a funny 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 dude uh one of the best tag team names ever gunning for hookers yeah. <laughs> um how did that come about and uh when did you decide like to start getting into more tag team wrestling as well well i don't think i really decided to do that it's just the way things worked out you know they put me with someone so uh shout out to top gun though he was a great uh, guy uh i guess i was always known more i mean i always wanted to be more of a serious wrestler um you know, but I was a little undersized and some other factors. I had gotten injured. I had broken my leg. So um, let's talk about that. Okay. Well, I broke my leg uh, in training at Iron um, wrestling with uh, the great uh, Sarah Del Rey. So we were training uh, with Sarah Del Rey and just had a little mishap and snapped my leg in half. Um, and that was right at the beginning of my wrestling career. I don't even know how long I had been doing it. I was fresh out of high school so yeah maybe my first or second year in I broke my leg uh, seriously and wow. have a rod in there and all that still to this day so I think that slowed me down a lot uh, to be honest and I never really fully recovered uh, from that injury um, so yeah I had to adjust my style a little bit and uh, me and Top Gun did a little bit uh, more comedy stuff and just to try to to have fun with the fans so um but prior to that, my my very first match in Pro Wrestling Gorilla um, was with Apollo. You know, it was Apollo versus uh, me and Apollo versus Hardcore Kid and Alca uh, Alcatraz, and then I wrestled uh, Super Dragon and the Badass uh, Mother Tournament. And yeah, I did so many shows with Pro Wrestling Gorilla. So, um, but yeah, it wasn't a conscious decision to become a tag team wrestler. But uh, uh. yeah, here in uh, yeah you know, in wrestling, the promoters put you with who they want you with. So I think we just were a one shot, <clears throat> excuse me, a one shot uh, thing, me and Top Gun, probably just like an opening match. Hey, let's put Hook and Top Gun together, have them wrestle some other local guys, uh, Quicksilver and Chris Bosch or something, and then uh, see how it goes. And then, yeah, we just kept uh, teaming up. Cause and how was that, uh, you know, your mindset as far as adapting a little bit to, you know, you were starting off at Pro Wrestling Iron, which was very, you know, like you said, more on the serious athletic side of, of mm -hmm. wrestling. They're like, we're going to take this very seriously. We're going to have, you know, you're going to put on clinics of chain in the beginning of uh, matches. Like it's going to be very, you know, specific. And then you go to a little bit, you know, PWG, which also has great wrestling, but there's a lot more of like a tongue in cheek atmosphere to, to PWG. So how was that adapting for you? Um, well, for me, I've, I kind of got more into that style of wrestling. Um, as I learned how to wrestle better, as I uh, made, you know, got better at my craft, um, because 
really, in my opinion, the way the the point of wrestling is to get over. You know, it's not uh, exactly all the technical. You know, not to have a technical masterpiece because if nobody cares about the match, you know, it's mm-hmm. like it's not over. So um, I kind of had to uh, adapt uh, more of that that style just as I learned how to work because, um, like I said, um, you're trying to get a reaction from the crowd. So um, with that, you need to have some personality and stuff. So I kind of learned that uh, through traveling a lot is kind of like not every audience is into just uh, chain wrestling, you know, and you, and you go through this formula. A lot of people need uh, more than that. And just even myself growing up, uh, the guys I grew up watching and we're such big fans of, uh, they weren't doing that style of wrestling. It was more uh, just getting over with the crowd. So as I, as I got later into my career and, and, and progressed and kind of learned how to work, I tried to uh, do a lot less. Uh, less is more, as they say. So um, I always take that type of advice to heart. You know, I try to do as little as I could <laughs> and still get paid, you know, and be safe and not get hurt. So um, that was what all that came down to. I didn't want to get hurt. Uh, I wanted to get paid and uh, I wanted to have easy and fun matches. You know, I didn't want to do anything uh, too complicated. So, yeah, being able to wrestle in a, a place like Southern California, you kind of learned how to do that um, a lot. Yeah, so. For me, it was an adjustment. It was an adjustment, but I think it was an adjustment uh, that I would have made anyway, mm. learning how to work. Yeah, I, uh, on the Vinny episode, he mentions like the best, he's like, the, oh, the best thing is when you do just a suplex and the crowd pops, you're like, oh, it's going to be an easy night. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah the, I mean, really the funniest time I had in my career is for uh, Jesse Hernandez, um, and there's no knock to anyone else, but uh Jesse Hernandez in uh, Empire Pro Wrestling out of San Bernardino, uh, California, um, just because he, I mean, those were the type of guys he had, you know, we all had easy matches and they had a hot crowd uh, that was just uh, conditioned or used to just that simple style of wrestling. So you really got to learn how to work uh, in front of a crowd. So uh, yeah, I had a great time uh, wrestling with uh, Jesse Hernandez. And like I said, that would have been something that I would have done uh, regardless, just uh, as you learn how to work be more safe and take less risk and have an easy match. So, Yeah. You know, work smarter and harder. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And uh, our, our mutual friend, Jesus, he, uh, he told me to ask you about the match at the dojo with Bison Smith. Okay. So that was, uh, I want to say it was one of my first uh, singles match. It may have been my first ever singles match i don't know if you have the records but yeah could have been my first ever uh, singles match was with uh, bison smith it, it looks like it's your it's like maybe the fourth it looks like your first one's against donovan morgan i had a singles match with donovan nice the dates might be a little screwy but yeah according to this yeah uh, donovan morgan defeats hook bomberry on december 21st 2002 hmm. well shout out to donovan i love donovan man that was my dude so Donovan, I hope you're doing well. I think he's out there in Florida. He has me on LinkedIn, so we talked a little bit. You know, I think he's like selling mortgages or some shit. So shout out to you, Donovan, wherever you, you guys, are. You guys talked on LinkedIn. We talked on LinkedIn. Yeah, he added so, me. So I'm like, <laughs> fuck it. I think you're the only person I've ever heard <laughs> say that they <laughs> yeah. actually talked to someone on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I have a LinkedIn, and don't send me no fucking connection requests, guys. I don't want to add you on my LinkedIn. <laughs> professional now. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Bison uh, was just cool, man. Um, yeah, we had a hell of a match uh, for my career, you know, it was one of my first matches. So just being able to, another one of my first matches was with Christopher Daniels and I guess Donovan as well. I know I had a singles match with Mike Modest as well, but uh, 
Yeah, people really like that one that I had with Bison. I've been asking Jesus if he could upload it in HD for me on one of his platforms because I know he has all these different uh, wrestling platforms. Put that match on TV for me, okay? Yeah, for real. Yeah, so, yeah, we just had a hell of a match. It was at uh, our old dojo in uh, Hayward or San Leandro, wherever it was, uh, for Pro Wrestling Iron at one of our gym shows. Um, so, yeah, it was a great match. Uh, again, rest in peace, Bison. But, yeah, Bison was one of the guys that he was super helpful. He would uh, come out Friday nights for our open gym. He would train with all of us uh, in between touring with uh, Japan and uh, Puerto Rico, IWA Puerto Rico. So, um yeah, he was always super helpful, always willing to help all the young guys. And uh, I don't know if he requested that match with me, but they, they put me up with them, I guess, because the size difference. It was just uh, entertaining for the fans to see someone his size go against me, who I'm only 5'5 five five at that time, like 150 pounds. So uh, going against a 6'4", 300-pound dude, yeah. uh, it was just an awesome match. Uh, tons of fun. He threw me all around the ring. Um, and Jesus Cruz put that on the internet so I could share it with these guys. There you go. I'm going to bug him again. Yeah, I loved Bison Ziff, man. I used to do his uh, website, and uh, he would, like, send me Japanese magazines and stuff. And, uh, like, so I just got to talk to him, like, in between his little tour, his tours of Japan, just, like, hearing about his his tales there, you know, shit like, you know, accidentally eating horse meat and stuff like that over there because yeah. he had no idea what the hell he was eating. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was a really nice guy, man. I miss that guy. I think, uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people you meet in indie wrestling, and uh, you know, not all of them are the best <laughs> as far as yeah. you know. Uh, Say the were, least, yeah. Yeah, um, but Bison was a really sweet, dude. I really like that guy. Yeah, Bison was awesome, and yeah, he had some great stories too. One that always stuck out to me is he always would, he'd always be telling Apollo, like, man, in Japan they love black people, right? Like Scorpio, Scorpio Sky's over, he's fucking all these chicks and all this stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, dude, that's awesome. And then he said he was like at some small town and he was trying to tan. And he went to some place and it was called Be Black, <laughs> the tanning salon. Oh, then geez. when he went in there, all the Japanese guys had dreadlocks and stuff. So now oh, he's got a kick out of that story. So. <laughs> so if you're in Japan, check out Be Black Tanning Salon. Go get your tan on, all you pro wrestlers. Oh, uh, that's insanity. <laughs> yeah. So. A lot of people I noticed, okay, when I was working in indie wrestling, I remember a lot of people would come in groups, you know, like they would have a, like four or five SoCal guys on one show up here mm-hmm. and then like the same thing down there like you said like you worked apollo down there that kind of thing yeah. um any fun road stories or incidents that happen along the way since everyone <laughs> i don't know how many are appropriate <laughs> yeah it's been a quite a long time i was a single young man at that time but no <laughs> we did tons of fun you know the 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 first things those guys did and Southern California, when I went down there, was introduced me to Tijuana. So we did a lot of Tijuana trips uh, after those Southern California shows. So, um, yeah, so shout out to all those Rev Pro guys. You know who you are, but you you guys showed me uh, all about Tijuana. So we went out to Tijuana a bunch of times. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many different uh, crazy stories uh, that I probably shouldn't get into uh, on a, a family show. But, <laughs> but, yeah, we had a good time. Yeah, uh, tons of... Uh, fun shows. I would usually travel with Apollo. Um, but if you know Apollo, he's pretty, uh, uh, level-headed. So, uh, we didn't get too crazy. Um, but yeah, lots of fun times, uh, going out to Tijuana, um, after all the shows, you know, a lot of people, what they would do, they party in San Diego till 2, 2 AM. And then you could keep partying in uh, Tijuana all night mm-hmm. long. So yeah, we'd go out there a lot, uh, and spend time at some questionable establishments out there. So yeah. Um, 
awesome times. And then, uh, yeah, I got a lot of stories, Sam, but I'm not going to go into them right now. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I don't uh, want to bury anyone. You got trained in a hard style as far as wrestling. You know, you guys, like Modest, when even, even like a month ago when I was talking to him, he was like, he's like, you never have to slap a leg. You never have to slap anything. He's all, he's all if you hit something, it makes noise. Like, so he's like, he's very yeah. much like that style. When you wrestled someone new at any point, did any of them kind of like, hey, whoa, man, like, what's going on here? I think sometimes we may have got that reputation, but I think everyone wanted to be tough. So no one wanted to complain, you know? Um, mm. But I know sometimes people would be like, joking around like oh you're gonna stiff me tonight or whatever but uh yeah no one was ever really pissed off about it but uh yeah we did work a, a little bit more snug of a style so uh, there were no leg slaps in that and all that stuff so stuff that bothers me is like leg slaps with forearms because forearms do make a sound so if you're gonna leg slap on a forearm come on man yeah throw a better forearm come on get it together but yeah th there's that nice magical area right here that's like yeah exactly it slaps <laughs> yeah. that it doesn't you know knock them out so it's, it's like yeah. a very nice and that is one thing when i wrestled bison that i remember is that uh, every time he forearmed me i got like a flash of light so like I guess that's what they say when they uh, mean when they say you see stars because every time yeah. he forearmed me, it'd be like this flash of light because that was a big dude. So, um, but yeah, uh, as far as uh, anyone ever complaining, no. Uh, okay. If anything, you know, I think we're ahead of the curb because um, after that, more and more people's uh, strong style, as they say, are, uh, you know, more snug. So I think we're ahead of the curb uh, as far as that goes. Oh, yeah. I thought that whole scene, especially like all that would morph into what like ROH and all that would become, which is like yeah. mixing. Uh, they would get like Lucha guys. and They would mix Lucha with like, you know, pure, pure, you know, strong style stuff mixed with like technical wrestling. And now pretty much you have to have all of it. You have to be able to do everything. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, mm -hmm. nobody takes you seriously, basically, you know. Yeah. Unless like, you're over on Twitter and then it yeah, doesn't exactly. matter. Yeah. <laughs> then it doesn't matter. Then you could suck. Yeah. Because um, I was just I was just thinking, you know, like at the time, you know, you could have a guy that's just like great technically and like he'll never do like a suicide dive and everyone's like that's fine mm -hmm. but now it's like no matter who you're even if you're 300 pounds they're like well but can you do anything off the top rope but it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all right <laughs> you gonna do a dive come on buddy yeah yeah i think that uh, that whole scene I, I think king of indies uh, the second one that uh, apw put on uh, should get a lot of the credit for that because uh, they kind of brought together the whole uh, Ring of Honor roster. I don't know if that happened before Ring of Honor. It was right before, wasn't it? I think it was before. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think King Indies was was a big uh, inspiration for stuff like PWG and Ring of yeah. Honor and yeah, because yeah. basically they took the roster from King of Indies and that became ROH. So yeah, um, so yeah, I think uh, that Northern California and Southern California both uh, deserve a lot of credit for kind of. Uh, this new new style of pro wrestling that we're seeing nowadays. Yeah. And uh, it was all like, you know, very, like you said, ahead of its time in that retrospect. But, you know, Pro Wrestling Iron, they were putting on great shows. They had a lot of good stuff going on. What do you think went, went wrong in the end? Like, why do you think eventually it went away? Uh, I think for that, it's mostly just uh, they weren't uh, the owners of the company weren't always there to, to manage the company. Um, so, they put a lot of faith in into other people to to handle it for them um myself included i mean i was training uh, beginner wrestlers and i was only one year in you know so i didn't think that i was uh in in a position that i should have been training those guys um but yeah they just had uh 
you know, they were really busy with their own careers, uh, traveling, traveling around, um, you know, and then uh, rest in peace, Bison, he passed away too. So I think that affected uh, some of the guys as well. Uh, we had a lot of people partying a lot. So <laughs> yeah, some of the owners love to party too. So, you know, I yeah. can't knock them. That was just, uh, I think it was just a phase that some of them were going through where they uh, kind of let that uh, grab a hold of them. So, um, yeah, shout out to all those guys. Those, uh, I think they did their best. Um, but, you know, it's running a business. Not everyone knows how to do it. So, uh, again, I think they did their best. Uh, for me, it was kind of, it was kind of, uh, it was more of a work situation. You know, was, uh, I was working Target like overnight, doing a shitty job uh, to pay rent out there. Um, and so for me, I just didn't want to keep doing that job. So I had to quit. And when I quit, I had to find a new place to live. So I moved down to Southern California. Um, but I still went back and forth uh, with Iron. But I kind of saw the writing on the wall uh, while I was still there. Uh, just we had some people leave. We had the Thomas Ellis leave out to Chicago. Um, we had Sarah Del Rey leave down to New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling Dojo. Uh, and again, I think it was just the absence of leadership. We didn't have our leaders there all the time because they're uh, traveling in Japan and, you know, trying to make a name for themselves as well. Um, so I don't blame those guys. I think they did uh, the best they can uh, in the circumstances. Uh, I think what they, what they had sought out to do um, was great because they just wanted to have uh, great wrestling and build a relationship with Noah and have all these guys ready uh, from America to go over to Noah. And it just didn't play out the, the way that they wanted. Um, and again, I think it's just because we didn't have uh, the full-time training staff there that we needed uh, to get us ready to jump. And uh, you mentioned uh, EWF a lot uh, as far as a place you really enjoyed working at. What about them made you re like really drew you to them? Well, first off, they ran a lot. So I think they ran every other Friday uh, out of uh, Covina. And sometimes they ran every weekend at the time. They would do small little spot shows. So it was just a, a, a good place to, uh, you know, if you wanted to wrestle a lot, it was a, a good place to be because I was on every show. Uh, Jesse, I know people give him a hard time because he doesn't like to pay anyone. But I, I mean, <laughs> that was an agreement I had with Jesse. It's like, man, if I come to your show, you're fucking paying me. So uh, <laughs> I got paid for every show. So uh, Shout out to Jesse Hernandez. Yeah, he gave, yeah, he gave me a lot of opportunities. So he put a couple belts on me, some tag titles on me. Uh, I had a uh, opportunity to work with a lot of great guys. And like I said, they're also more used to like a, a more family friendly, uh, easy style. Uh, so that's where I really got to learn how to work, interact with the crowd, uh, interact with the kids, a lot of kids there and stuff like that. So you can, you learn how to draw the reaction from the fans or sometimes, uh, you know, the smart, uh, smart fans, they want to be like cool and stuff and they don't want to yeah. you know mark out or whatever you know they want to just be like act like they're part of the show so i had more t uh, fun time uh, wrestling in front of like a, a family oriented crowd as opposed to a crowd that's a certain style of wrestling so yeah i think the uh the smart crowd it's it's like it can be great and it could also be terrible at times it's just like yeah you yeah. know the, sometimes especially they can really just not even if they're not feeling something like they're just very much like, well, that's impressive. But yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. They kind of tune out. Yeah. And then you don't get the reaction. And then for the performers, it's not as fun. So yeah. when you're getting a, a lot of a big reaction from a crowd, it's just, it makes the match a lot more fun to perform in because you have something to play off of. Um, but sometimes those uh, fans, it could be, you know, it's your own fault too, because you, you got to be able to get over. So if you yeah. can't get over with the fans, then maybe that's not the crowd you should be wrestling in front of. But uh 
you know, it's just a, a different style and different type of reaction that you're able to draw from an EWF crowd uh, that I really enjoyed. And plus, I like working with like their their old school, uh, just plain guys because I didn't I, I didn't see it as a challenge, but it was fun for me to have these uh, these matches that I thought were great. They were really fun to do. You know, a lot of times I get you know some of my favorite matches just from feel. Like, wow, that felt really great. You know, everyone was reacting the way we wanted them to react. We got pops uh, on the spots we wanted pops and it built uh, the way we wanted it to build. So wrestling guys like Vision, who's like, you know, he's just a, a small local guy. A lot of these small local guys that Jesse had, uh, I, I really like to go out there and just have uh, fun matches with them. And we got great reactions. And I didn't see it as a challenge, but I knew that I had to uh, work really hard to uh, mm-hmm. get the type of match that I wanted. So, um, yeah, so it was fun to wrestle those type of people as opposed to always getting uh, put with the same type of person, you know. So, I've, you know, because I've wrestled all these guys so a bunch of times. So being able to wrestle some of these uh, more challenging matches were fun as well. And what made you decide uh, to finally hang up the boots in the end? Uh, for me to hang up the boots, I mean, to be honest, I was actually like, doing the best I had ever done in my career. I had recently been brought back to pro wrestling gorilla. I was wrestling, uh, tag teaming with, uh, uh, TJP. We had our own little group, um, TJ hookers. So kind of play off of, uh, gunning for hookers. We were TJ hookers. So I got to wrestle, uh, with him. And like I said, I learned how to work finally. So, uh, it took a few years, but finally I was getting the reactions from the crowd that I wanted. Um, but the main thing is I, I had injuries. I was banged up. I had, uh, I don't know if it was a herniated disc, but I had something going on where I had sciatic pain shooting down one of my legs. And I think, I think it all stems from breaking my legs, never fully recovering because I was uh, rushing to get back into the ring. So I got a bunch of imbalances uh, in my body that were causing me a lot of pain. And then uh, also not just that, it was just missing out on uh, doing stuff with my friends outside of wrestling as well. So every weekend having to drive to another town, uh, spend your Friday and Saturday, uh, you know, with your wrestling friends and just missing out on a, a lot of opportunities with other people. So um, that's really what it came down to. Um, you know, I was selling pot at the time too. So I was losing out on money when I was gone on the weekends, you know, hmm. that's all my, uh, you know, that type of income I had coming in as well. So um, yeah, it was just one of those things where um, it just worked out, but I didn't think I was going to be gone forever. You know, I thought I was just going to maybe take a break. So uh, I went down to an EWF show. I had decided that day, like, you know what? I'm going to quit because they already have me booked for next weekend. The weekend after that, I don't have any free time. I was working full time uh, Monday through Friday. So it was just uh, tough just to have, uh, you know, one one day off a week uh, where I wasn't working, which was Sunday usually. Um, So that's really what it came down to. Just missing out opportunities with friends, opportunities to make other money more money uh, doing other stuff as well so um it was just a combination of factors um and then at the time yeah yeah but yeah like i said i was uh, starting to to uh, revitalize my career so i wish i would have stuck stuck through it a little bit more you know but uh um at the time i didn't have the belief uh well i didn't know how really to train your mind uh, the way I feel like you need to train your mind in order to be successful, because I still had those doubts in my mind. Oh, you're too small. Uh, there's not a spot for you in the business, that type of stuff to where you could actually make money. Um, so I had a lot of, uh, yeah, that type of talk. So I feel like if I would know what I knew now 
and applied that uh, to my younger career, then um, I could have gone along. Because you got to believe, you know, you got to believe yeah. that you that you're going to make it. So um, that would be my advice to all the the upcoming pro wrestlers: just believe in yourself, believe in your skills, and know that uh, there is a spot for you. Um, it's just about getting over. So as long as you could get over, uh, you can make money. So yeah, I just uh, wish I would have realized that. And then uh, just seeing how the business changed too, how people have uh, figured out uh, new and exciting ways to make money. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really cool too. So I wish I would have stuck stuck with it. Uh, and I'm seeing that hard work pay off for a lot of my friends. So I'm happy because uh, a lot of the people that I worked with uh, back in the day are now, uh, finally, it's starting to pay off uh, and they're being able to be successful. So um, but I couldn't imagine wrestling another 10 years uh, without getting that success. So at the same time, it's kind of like a, yeah. a flip, you know, it's like, well, the, you know, it's paying off, but it did take another 10 years since I've left. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then also like, you know, compared like then and now, now it's like, okay, you get book, boom, you get like a pro wrestling tea store. You can like, exactly. you, yeah. you know, um, at the time YouTube was shit. Yeah. It was all like horrible quality videos. You could only upload, I think it's like 10 minutes at a time. Remember when YouTube was like that? Yeah. Like you could only have 10 minute long videos. So you couldn't even put like full matches on there if they were longer than that. Like, you need a part two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah part, it was really, and I know that because, you know, we, I've been scouring uh, YouTube on these interviews, like trying to find footage for stuff that other people have been talking about. And a lot of times you, when you see the older matches, it'll be like part one, part two. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah, but if you guys want to check out any of my stuff, you can check it out. Uh, I always put Hook Bomberry into um, YouTube, do my little vanity searches. But EWF put a lot of that stuff up that I was talking about. So I think all that whole run I had with EWF, they have the whole shows uh, on YouTube now on their uh, YouTube channel. So you can check that out. You can always check me out on all the old uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla DVDs as well. So I'm on the... I don't yeah, know how many shows I did with those guys. So. Speaking of PWG, yeah, uh, not as far as the the confidence thing, but Scott Lost had a very similar in his last year of wrestling. He was like, "Man, I'm starting to really have fun." He's like, "And I'm about to quit." Shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> he was yeah, like, "That's how oh. it is." <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Man, I'm finally starting to to get everything together, and uh, I'm hanging up the boots." But uh, at that time, I mean, really, was, I was in a lot of pain, so that was uh, tough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there'd be times I would go to, uh, have to drive to urgent care. They're putting shots in my ass and steroids or whatever the hell they put in uh, some sort of uh, cortisone or some shit. Cause yeah, there were times where I couldn't uh, get out of off my couch or off out of bed. Cause you know, I still worked full time too. So um, it was, yeah, it was challenging. Well, it's tough too. Cause when, you know, when you go to like, especially like uh, cons where they have like older, older wrestlers and stuff that you see, mm-hmm. you know, and you go and you go and you see these guys and they're like their knees are shot and like their hips are shot and they can barely move and you're kind of like looking at that going like shit like, yeah, exactly <laughs> is that what i'm citing myself up for or what yeah and then like you're looking at them like and they, these are guys that were like on wrestlemania's <laughs> and you're like they're, <laughs> yeah, they're all so. fucked up like good lord yeah so it's not uh yeah like i i was uh, reiterating at the beginning of the interview it's not an easy business so yeah. the stuff really hurts um and, you know, sometimes it's just like one bad bump and fucks you up for a long time. So, yeah, just uh, that was that was the main thing. Um, and like I said, too, just missing out on uh, stuff outside of wrestling. You know, uh, I had a lot of other stuff going on uh, at the time as well. So uh, is there any 
like specific thing you 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 look back on in the career and think like I, I wish I would have just been able to do this. Well, whether it's like you know working in Japan or doing something like what is like what's the one thing in wrestling where you're like, but fuck, I really wish I would have just been able to do this one thing. That would have been it. I mean, they used to always tell. Uh, when I was coming up, like, hey, man, we're going to send you to Japan to train at the, the Noah Dojo. Um, so that was always my dream. So I wish that that would have worked out. Um, I think, again, uh, a lot of it has to do with my injury. I broke my leg uh, right at the beginning of my career. Um, but when I started, you know, I was only 18. I was in great shape. I was uh, doing pretty good uh, wrestling. I was doing okay. You know, I don't want to put myself over, but I was doing okay. Uh, and I think I could have uh, done a lot better had I gone over to Japan and had that experience. Because uh, the people that train in Japanese dojos, I mean, they're pretty much lifers. Once you go through that experience, you're pretty much uh, wrestling the rest of your life and you'll always have a job in the business. So I wish that was something uh, that would have uh, came through. Um, so yeah, that's the main thing. And then, yeah, just wrestling in Japan, being able to uh, have that experience would have been really awesome. And also, I wish I would have just made some real, real money in the, in the business, you know, so I, I spent a few, a few years in it. So just to uh, reap some financial uh, success out of it would have been great too. Well, it's like, I, I had a Taro on here and you worked. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Taro. Taro. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, Oh yeah. The only money he ever made in wrestling was on that, that Nikki show on CW. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah so yeah that's, like, that's his, the only that's money I made. Yeah. yeah other than that it covers like you know uh your meal and your gas if that so yeah, yeah. that's if they uh, pay you at all <laughs> yeah but i always got paid that was one thing with me man if you're, if you're gonna bring me out to the show you gotta give me something man i ain't yeah. wrestling shit for free so do you remember uh working uh a show for jesus in san francisco at the uh the rock club the rockapulco <laughs> I do. We were we we were recently talking about this on another podcast. And, yeah, uh, and that was uh, good times. And do you remember? Uh, so, Jesus got. I remember all this, a couple like, of jobbers got really pissed off that night. Who were those jobbers? jobbers oh, I don't know. I don't know either. But is that the same show you're talking about? Oh, I don't know. I I, oh, I was okay. just there. There was a. I just remember he brought a ton of people for that. So there was like a, like a couple six man matches and like a couple of tag. Like so, there was a lot of luchadors there, but okay. no, And I was doing the sound, and none of these fucking guys brought music. None of them. Like all these guys showed <laughs> up. Right. They're just like, I'll just play something. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. and I, and you were one of the few people who actually had a CD for your music. Nice. And then I remember because by the end of the night, you were like man, you got a lot of work out of my CD because I ended up just using random songs off the CD as entrances for everyone else. Nice. I don't know what it was. If it was it Necro, that would have been funny if everyone had to come out to Necro. I, I don't remember. but Some underground rapper from New York. So that'd be it, it probably was something like that. Like, yeah. I just remember, I, I just remember like, okay, I guess tra these guys will get track four. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. who knows what's going to happen right now. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember that show. Uh, everyone partied a lot at that show because I don't know if I, Jesus had an open bar. There was a bar there, but all I remember by the end of the night, everyone was fucked up, and uh, a couple of the wrestlers, a couple of the Joe Applebaum's guys, got pissed off that uh, that one of my trainers happened to call him jobbers. So that he took oh, really? a real <laughs> he took a real offensive, and then there was almost a fight outside the venue. Which uh, ask Jesus about that if you're gonna ask about anything. Okay, that was funny. It was the Stoner Brothers, too, if we were talking about the jobbers. No offense, okay. Stoner Brothers. You guys are jobbers. I like you guys, but I remember that that's, that's what you guys got mad about. That and it was him and Rick, uh, Rick Luxury, so they were pissed off that night. Uh, 
because they got called jobbers. So sorry, guys. We didn't mean it. You guys were great. Thanks. Well, that's the way, you know, wrestling is, uh, there's a lot of posturing in wrestling. There's yeah. a lot of, you know, re- the, the respect thing in wrestling is huge. You yeah. know, it's like, it's weird because it's, it can be the silliest thing ever, wrestling, but then it can be the thing that people take very seriously. I know, sometimes too serious, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of what I like about the new guys is, you know, I guess they're trying to kill those traditions. Uh, I don't think they need to be killed because I think there needs to be a certain level of respect for the wrestling business. Uh, mm. We owe it to the people that uh, laid the groundwork for us, but at the same time, uh, not everything needs. Yeah, I've had like Scott Lost on here was like, he, he said he hated the fucking handshakes. He just hated it. He was yeah, like, I just, he's like, I don't want to shake everyone's hand. Fuck this. Yeah, <laughs> it's just... It's just silly, you know, where you have to walk around and, like, uh, and then people do like the little gimmick where they only give you that's, that's, that's two like fingers. The po- that's the name of the podcast. <laughs> it's the Indie Handshake. Oh, yeah, Indie Handshake. Yeah, so yeah. Hello. People do the little Indie Handshake. It was kind of uh, stupid. So, <laughs> um, But I get it. You know, it's just a tradition. You got to carry on those traditions. So, yeah. um, But that's just one of the many uh, crazy wrestling traditions. Another thing is guys that they may be in the business uh, longer than you, but they suck. Either they suck or they never did anything with their career. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to uh, tell you, uh, you may have done, you may be better than them or done more with your career. And like, what the fuck can you tell me, dude? You've only wrestled <laughs> this, this one place once a month for the last 10 years, you know? Yeah. I've done, done more matches in my first year than you have in five years. So, you know, so there's uh that type of uh, thing that was kind of goofy too and just when there's goofballs too there's goofballs that, that uh, may have more time than you and then they try to be tough you're like dude you're not a tough guy i will fuck <laughs> you up right now so you need to chill dog i'm about to fuck you up so um yeah there's a little bit of that too i always joke about that with wrestling when i came into wrestling what i thought it was gonna be is we're gonna go to the strip club everyone's gonna be doing cocaine and pain pills we're gonna be fucking banging chicks and stuff like that so uh, that's kind of the expectations I had. And then when I got into uh, wrestling, it was <laughs> not like that at all. So <laughs> that was kind of a disappointment <laughs> for me. I was like, oh, man, I thought yeah. we were going to be like headbutting people in the bar and fucking biting people in the nose and doing all this cool stuff I, I, I heard about growing up. But a lot of those guys were weenies, man. A lot of you pro wrestlers are weenies. You've never <laughs> been in a street fight. So get your shit together. <laughs> did did anyone uh you know especially when you you know your size in the ring it, people would think you know oh he's he's small he doesn't know how to do it did anyone ever try to like take advantage in the ring and you had to straighten him out not really uh, i would say the only guy that did something like that was uh boom boom Kamini, who we all know he's one of those jabronis i was just talking about who uh <laughs> shout out to boom boom i mean he's a super nice guy but uh you know he didn't do much with his career and he would always want to to bully around the younger guys uh so in training yeah he was he'd be like super stiff and he'd be like was that stiff and i remember telling him i guess you know he's like damn right it was and i'm like all right whatever dude Uh, (laughs) so yeah they're just like dealing with uh little jokers like that um who again he was a cool guy so i don't want to bury him but you know just guys that didn't do much with their career that try to bully uh the younger wrestlers um but no i didn't really deal with that i'm cut from a different cloth man i came from uh, a different background so if anyone tried any shit like that you know we got problems straight <laughs> up so uh, that's the background i came from so we're not gonna i don't play those type of games so 
be a man, be a man and uh, talk some shit, you know, don't, don't try to pull a, a sly one. Speaking of shit talking, uh, you had some, some matches and some uh, capacity with someone who nowadays none of his promos would ever fly. And that's uh, Mr. Chris, Chris Bosch. <laughs> Oh yeah, Chris Bosch. Not not the basketball player, the wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> now I have to keep doing that every time I look up something about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the longest time, I kept hearing Chris Bosch. People were like on Twitter, like talking about Chris Bosch. I don't watch too much NBA, so I'm like, why the fuck's everyone always talking about Chris Bosch? He's still over. What the hell? And then I'm like, oh, he's an NBA player. All right. Yeah. But I was like, you know, I was talking when I was talking to Top Gun or when I was talking to Scott Lost or any of them. I would go back and I was looking at clips of them and and Chris Bosch. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff uh, he pops in promos that you're like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, he was racist. That was yeah. his gimmick. I, mean, yeah. I don't know how else to put it. He had a racist gimmick. So yeah, yeah. Uh, when it slides, you know, Black Lives Matter. Shout out to my people. Yeah, We're gonna exactly. fuck you up, Chris Bosch. I'm gonna find you. I know you're a fireman <laughs> in Texas right now. So pop off that racist shit. We're gonna find you. <laughs> no, I don't All know. Right. No, he was he was a funny guy. So shout out to Chris Bosch. I wrestled him countless times too. Um, promos I mean he found out like I said that the name of the game is getting over so he found out that uh, you know a bunch of dorky white people like a racist character so you know who's surprised yeah <laughs> who's surprised true. yeah yeah so that was cool though all right with that brother the booker has ran out he is screaming take it home take it home so now we're gonna take this bad boy home with some with some rapid fire questions but like <clears throat> I said rapid fire is a Guideline, please feel free to digress and, and talk as much as you want about any of this. Besides, I always consider, not only is wrestling physical, I like to consider wrestling very creative. It's a very creative thing to do. You're building matches, you're building moves, you're doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, besides wrestling, what is your creative out? Man, I wish I had one right now. To be honest, uh, I don't know, but uh, I like to draw. You know, I have a sketchbook right here, so I draw. I just mess around. I like art, so art, uh, okay. I'm more of a... Uh, I guess I, I like to watch that stuff. So, yeah, I'm big into art. Uh, still pro wrestling. I still watch pro wrestling. So as far as actually having an outlet, uh, I'm still trying to find it, my friend. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the, the, the key to everyone's happiness. You know, if you're able to make a lot of money doing something creative, um, I think that's the key to happiness. So I'm going to keep looking. And then when I find out, uh, I'll let you know. And what do you think of this product today? Uh, the product today uh, – I'm kind of, uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of great guys uh, doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, a lot of it seems, uh, a lot of it seems the same, unfortunately. So, um, I don't know, I just feel like everyone's good now. So, when everyone's good, it's hard to stand out. So, mm. uh, I think WWF has probably one of the greatest rosters ever assembled professional wrestling. Um, but for that reason, it's hard for these guys to to stand out. Um, but, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's uh, super good. Uh, everyone's like really, really good now. <laughs> like they weren't uh, 10, 10 or 15 years ago. Um, so like you mentioned, everyone could do everything now. So I'm, I'm a fan of the product. I watch a lot uh, more AEW than I do WWE. I don't think I watch any WWE, um, but I watch a lot of AEW just because uh, a lot of those guys were my friends uh, at one point. So uh, friends yeah. or former colleagues. So it's cool to like I said, see all their hard work pay off after all these years. So I like seeing guys like Sky, uh, Scorpio Sky. Who I, you know, That's I the one that 
as like a California indie wrestling nerd, that's the one I popped for a lot was when they gave that guy, you know, a, a tag yeah. like uh, in like the first few months of the pro. I was like, this is amazing. Cause yeah. you know, like we all knew, we all knew like, you know, Styles and Kazarian and, you know, Daniels. Like I feel like those guys, you know, they've been on impact. They've been doing a lot of stuff like for a while now, NWA TNA, but then like Scorpio sky was always like this guy where I was like, dude, this guy's amazing. How come he's not, you know, getting on anything. And it's like, yeah. I feel like he's one of the guys that like well-deserved finally. And I feel WWE missed the boat because fucking Harold was over when they, when they had him doing those segments with Kane. Oh man, that shit was comedy. I love those segments. Guy yeah. bringing back Harold. That was great, great, great stuff. Great TV. So yeah, it's cool to see them uh, all be able to uh, excel right now. Uh, what was your favorite move or hold that you didn't use? Hmm, that I didn't use? Probably the curb stomp. I always loved that move. Super Dragons, curb stomp. So mm. it was just brutal. It was simple. I like simple. So the simpler, the better. It was a simple move that was brutal, impactful. Yeah, so that was probably it, the, the curb stomp by Super Dragon. I always wanted to do a variation. I never pulled it off, but yeah. Shout out to Super Dragon. I did a, a singles match with him too. So there's a big list. I, I think I gave it to uh, Soul Cal Uncensored when I interviewed with... Uh, with that website back in the day uh, with Scrub. Um, I gave a list of people I wanted to do singles matches with, and I think Mike Modest was on one of them. Um, Bison Smith, I think, and uh, Super Dragon. And I think Modest got a hold of that uh, list or someone that had showed him that interview. Uh, and then like the next week I was booked with Modest, so that was cool. And then I got to wrestle Super Dragon, which was cool because he saw that. Uh, Super Dragon wanted to wrestle me. Uh, the way those whole uh, relationships were built back in the day, um, with those SoCal guys was on AIM, AOL. So everyone uh, used to chat on that. So we used to have group chats uh, with a whole bunch of wrestlers. CM Punk used to stop by. A bunch of different wrestlers used to come by into these group chats that we'd be talking all night about wrestling. So uh, that's how I established a lot of my relationships with uh, the Southern California guys. Uh, speaking of Super Dragon, uh, something he's known for is hitting pretty hard. Uh, but I'm curious, who has the hardest chop that you've taken? Man, the hardest chop. It might be uh, Mikey Nichols. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you should be familiar with him from NXT. I'm not sure what he went by uh, at that federation. Uh, but he would wrestle with uh, Shane Thorne. They went to Noah together. He's an Australian guy from Perth. Perth, mm -hmm. Australia. Look him up. He was in WWE. He recently left. And uh, his partner, Shane Thorne, who's still in WWE, I believe. Um, but Mikey Nichols, he used to come out. Uh, he was one of Dave Marquez's guys. Uh, so he would travel out to live with Dave Marquez. Uh, also known as Nick out. Miller. Nick, Nick Miller, Miller, yeah. Mikey, Mikey Whiplash. Yeah, so those are his, uh, I think Nick Miller, that's his uh, WWE name. Um, but yeah, I wrestled him when he came out to Southern California. He came out with Dave Marquez, who used to uh, work with the New Japan Championship Wrestling from Hollywood is what he does now. Everyone knows Dave Marquez. Shout out to Dave Marquez. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he was a Dave Marquez guy and uh, I had an opportunity to wrestle him and he hit really, really hard, hard chops. I think I was bleeding. Um, <laughs> but I always like to wrestle those guys that chopped hard because I chopped hard too. So uh, one of my favorite things because I was a coward heel was just to uh, have these guys that chop hard throw me to the outside of the ring and just chop me all around the ring. So the fans got like this up close uh, and uh, personal view of me getting my ass kicked to, to, to let him go home happy. So I always had a good time uh, wrestling Mikey Nichols with his hard chops. 
you're actually perfectly segued into my next question. What's the craziest fan interaction you had? Man, all these different rats. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> yeah, no, I have no idea, man. All these fans, uh, most of them were great, you know. Um, yeah, I really don't have any uh, crazy fan interactions. They're all good. Um, some fans grew out, grew out to be my friends, so I know that, you know, I went to a rave with one fan, <laughs> which was cool. <laughs> he was just some guy. Uh, I forgot what his name was. He was a pro wrestling gorilla fan, and his dad would always take him, and he was always a, a huge supporter of mine. So one time I'm like, hey, man, I knew he goes to raves. I'm like, hey, I'm going to this rave in L.A. And then he was like, okay, cool. I'll meet you there. So I hung out with him. He was a cool dude. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe my craziest fan interaction is with Ed Powers, the world famous uh, pornographer. If you guys know him, Dirty Deputon series. Anyways, uh, he's a huge wrestling fan, lo and behold. And I was at uh, uh, Royal Rumble in Fresno uh, doing some extra work. And I ran into him backstage and me being the aficionado that I was. I was like, oh, shit, that's Ed Powers right there. So I went and talked to him. Um, and then we linked up. He started coming to all the pro wrestling gorilla shows. He actually managed uh, me and Top Gun Talier for a while. Um, and that was Ed Powers, a uh, world famous pornographer. And then uh, we actually had a falling out. And uh, the falling out was great because uh, it was over a Yoshinoya uh, Bowl. Um, and uh, when I used to wrestle for pro wrestling gorilla in Hollywood, uh, there was a Yoshinoya like one block away. So some of the boys would sneak off, go grab some food uh, in between shows. And I did that. I went and grabbed some, after my match, I went and grabbed some food, came back. Um, he was my guest that day. Uh, and then I was like, he's like, where were you, bro? And I was like, oh, I just went to Yoshinoya to grab some food. And the dude freaked out. He was like, what the fuck, man? Why didn't you tell me? I'm fucking here, sitting here starving. And he starts saying he's diabetic and he has low blood sugar and all this shit. Jesus. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah, I had a falling out with Ed Powers. I never saw him after that. He, uh, he called me like a week later and he, badgered me on the phone for like an hour and a half <laughs> and uh i was working in the adult industry on the side too doing uh uh video work for them and stuff so he was talking about he was gonna blackball me from uh the adult industry and do all this crazy stuff so shout out to you ed powers <laughs> no hard feelings it's been a long time so i hope he's well hope he don't end up like ron jeremy who's in prison right now so yeah there's uh, there's some stuff going on there that's that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he's um, kind of from the same ilk. He's cut from the same cloth. So mm, 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 I wish him mm. luck in his future endeavors. What was it like uh, doing the extra work? Well, uh, to be honest, uh, well, I only did it twice. I did a raw, and I did that uh, that Fresno show. Um, it was okay. Uh, I really didn't know what to expect, or how to act, or how to behave. Um, so it kind of just felt like I was walking on eggshells back there. It's when they had first uh, instituted like the the dress code remember for a while you had to wear like a suit <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to come to wwe uh and me being broke you know like i said i was working at target i didn't really have much uh, dress clothes so i wear like khakis and a button-up shirt and i remember the first thing the security guard told me was like oh so i guess no one told you about the dress code huh and i'm like this is the nicest clothes i got bro i don't know what the fuck you i don't have a suit you know um so yeah it wasn't bad though um but yeah i wish i would have uh not been schooled on how to act, but I wish I would have just known how to act better. I didn't introduce myself to anyone. I kind of just played, you know, in the background and just uh, kept to myself. I think I was there with, I think it was Davey Richards was there and maybe Tony Kazina. Mm. I don't know. 
small weird group because we're all yeah. little short guys so a bunch of short guys showing up to a wwe show i didn't get used that night either because uh i think they needed druids i didn't have black boots i brought you know at the time i was in wrestling shoes and wasn't the look they were going for um but at that time uh, as soon as you walked in you signed in and they wrote you a check right there and then we just hung out and catering ate food uh, and then i did a raw in san jose too that was last minute donovan just said hey they need some people get down here as quick as you can and then uh, by the time I got there they had filled the that was it though I did a uh, Smackdown or Raw in San Jose and then uh, Royal Rumble in Fresno but it was the Royal Rumble where uh, Vince blew out both his knees so that was interesting to see backstage uh, when that happened Uh, so he came back everyone was like what the fuck everyone was like is that real and then he came back I think they wheeled him back in a wheelchair and everyone was like oh shit Vince is really fucked up Wow. Another crazy thing, too, for all the wrestlers, they probably met uh, Ric Flair, but Ric Flair is huge. I didn't think he was going to be huge, but Ric Flair is a big fucking dude, and he's <laughs> fucking, he's wide, you know? He's like this wide, buff fucking old man, so that was cool, too, yeah. he was a huge Ric Flair fan, so uh, just being able to see him in person, like, oh, shit, this is a big fucking athletic dude that's uh, like in his 60s, so that was cool, too. Yeah. Uh, besides hurting you, uh, what was the worst thing someone could do if you're working with them in a not sell for me not sell for me you mentioned someone earlier um i'm not gonna put him i'm not gonna bury him but uh, i remember in the match he wasn't selling for me and i got pissed off um you know because if someone if a heel's putting heat on you you know and you're trying to make a little comeback and the heel's not selling your comeback you know and then just cuts you back off he's making you look like a piece of shit you know so yeah um that kind of pissed me off so i remember i i elbowed him a bunch of times and then i lariated him in the face and uh after the match, he's like, damn, Hook, you broke my jaw. And, hey, buddy, you should have sold for me, you know? So, yeah, he didn't sell my, uh, yeah, you know, when you You're have a little sell, I'm going to make you sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, you got to do something, man, because you're not going to make me look like a fucking weakling either. So, um, so yeah, that's probably the worst thing someone could do is, uh, is not sell your offense. Makes them look like a piece of shit if they end up beating you. You know, I'm a nobody because yeah. I can't even hurt you. And then uh, makes me look like a piece of shit that I can't hurt this uh, this guy that uh, doesn't even look athletic. Uh, was there a time that you were working with someone and you were legitimately surprised by their by their work? Like either, you know, you heard such great things and then when you were in the ring with them, you're like, this, I fucking hate working with this guy. Or, you know, the other way, the more positive way, which is like you worked with someone and you were like, ah, wow, this person's so crisp, so fluid. Like everything they do is gold. Like what, you know, you were just amazed yeah, I always tell this to people that don't wrestle because fans always have a lot of opinions. And of course they should. I mean, they're the, they're the consumer of the product. But uh, a lot of times uh, the fans think certain people are good. But then when you wrestle with them, it's clunky or it's not easy to wrestle or, you know, you have to remember so many things. They don't actually know how to work. They just memorize stuff. Um, so there were times where you'd where you'd be going up against someone who the fans loved. And then when you rest them, you're like, wow, he's really not that fun to wrestle. And and then uh, that was one of the reasons why I really uh, loved EWF is because uh, a lot of those guys that were unknown guys, you know, uh, they just worked uh, EWF shows for Jesse and they were his guys that he trained. Um, They were just really easy to work with and they were fun to work with. And, uh, you know, we had simple matches. They were real simple, you know, not a lot of spots. Uh, but we got the reaction we wanted. So that was always uh, what I really loved is being able to uh, wrestle these guys without a big name and just get a good reaction from the crowd uh, doing easy stuff. So I was always surprised. 
So uh, I kind of already know the answer to this because we kind of touched on it. Uh, has a booker tried to stiff you on money? And uh, obviously, as you said, that, that they definitely tried. Uh, but what were yeah. some of the, I always, the other part I love about this is what are some of the funnier excuses that they try to give you? It's always the same, it. like the house The house wasn't as good as we thought, brother. <laughs> the house wasn't as good as we thought. I think it was, uh, man, there was a guy in Southern California. I remember he booked me and then I got Apollo booked and he tried to stiff Apollo. So we had to punk him out and he ended up paying us. Um, and then there was this fucking, damn, what was that guy? And uh, he was in Sacramento, this real jabroni promoter. I want to say, I don't want to say his name and then it not be him. Does Will Loudon, does that run a name? Uh, that sounds familiar. Might have been Will Loudon. If Will Loudon someone else and I'm burying some random person. Sorry, but uh, yeah, there was some guy, some jabroni promoter in, uh, in Sacramento that ran a show. And yeah, he just straight up stiffed us. I think he stiffed everyone. If I remember correctly, he left because he couldn't pay anyone. So uh, for some reason, he had a lot of memorabilia, a lot of uh, wrestling memorabilia that he sold at the shows as his merch table. Uh, so I think we uh, helped ourselves to some of these old <laughs> old WWE stuff because, like I said, I got to get paid, man. Yeah. F you, pay me, you know, that's how it goes. So Exactly. Make sure I get my bread at the end of the show. Otherwise, we got problems. Uh, what's the hardest you laughed at an indie show? The hardest I laughed? I don't know, man. I didn't really laugh too much. Uh, probably, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla when uh, – um teddy hart came out he brought in these uh two jabroni guys with him i think it was like chronic and hydro or something they they had some sort of like weed names or something and then uh the commentators just buried him the whole time because mm -hmm. uh they were wearing these outrageous outfits and they just called him oven mitt one and oven mitt two i think it was excalibur so uh man we were all laughing at that that was hilarious that was uh teddy hart and uh his guys that he brought down from canada again i think it was uh hydro and chronic maybe something like that yeah there's uh, always oven mitt, also known as oven mitt one and oven mitt two yeah there's a everyone always has fun teddy hart stories that's a, <laughs> that's always something <laughs> yeah. something going yeah, on there good for that yeah yeah what's the worst gimmick you remember seeing on horrible gimmick the gimmick i always hated because it was so prevalent is the the unattractive ladies man <laughs> i don't know you see that everywhere you know the guy with the feather boa you know pretty boy you know, beautiful, uh, you know, whatever their names might be. I always hated that gimmick, so that's always one of my least favorite. I think it's cheap. It's just uh, unoriginal, cheap. Mm. Uh, so there's uh, a few of those that I ran in through over the years uh, that I thought were pretty bad. Um, and to be honest, I didn't like the Chupacabra when he first started, The you know, just the actual gimmick. Uh, but he did so much with it, and I thought he did a great job. So uh, but I remember when he first came out, I was like, the Chupacabra, that's kind of dumb. But uh, it ended up uh, working out for him, and he did good good with the gimmick. But I remember uh, when he first started, I was like, man, that's a dumb gimmick. But ended up, uh, he he made it good. So Any uh, w, only, any former WWF, WCW, ECW, whatever, XPW, any guys that worked on a show, the same show as you, not necessarily with you, and they thought they were bigger than the show, acted like they were bigger than the show, just really rubbed you the wrong No. No, everyone was cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember I was a little, I wasn't intimidated by New Jack, but I didn't really want to talk to New Jack in case he did like start talking shit, you know, and then we got a problem and I'm like, man, I don't want to fight New Jack, you know? So <laughs> I remember doing a show with New Jack and he, I mean, he kind of stuck to himself. He was abrasive, loud, uh, but that was to be expected, you know? Um, 
but I I remember I didn't want to, you know, uh, ruffle his feathers and yeah. and get into anything with him. Um, but no, Don't everyone was super nice. Yeah, I remember we did bring in uh, Joe Applebaum when he was doing uh, Pogo the Clown in uh, in uh, XPW, and he had a lot of uh, bad reputation because I guess uh, Rob Black, uh, the old promoter, used to have him go out there and and beat people up for him. That was just he was like his little henchman. Um, so I remember they they booked me uh, with him at a pro wrestling iron show. And I remember just being scared, uh, but to my surprise, he was super nice. He pulled me to the side. He's like, Hey, listen, I could see you're super nervous. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. I know, uh, uh, what you saw in XPW. Um, uh, but I was just doing, you know, they paid me to do that. So that's what I was doing. And, uh, he put me at ease and it was a real super easy match. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the opposite. I was expecting him to be a dick and he was yeah. super nice. And then, uh, yeah. Um, trying to think of who else I've done shows with but yeah everyone's been super nice um I know that uh, we brought in Spike Dudley for training at Iron we brought in uh Crash Holly Crash Holly was super intense so I thought that was cool because you know he was kind of playful uh when you watched him wrestle but uh when he talked to us he was super intense um and again that was another sad thing we did have uh Crash Holly uh, was gonna come and be our full-time trainer at Pro Wrestling Iron uh, after he got released from WWE. And then he tragically passed away. So uh, he was really good friends with the owners of the company. So I think that affected people a lot too, uh, along with the passing of Bison. So having two people pass away uh, yeah. so closely together uh, who were really uh, integral parts of the business, uh, that was tough. So um, yeah, Crash Holly was super cool, Spike. So. Um, yeah, most of the, the old WWE guys I've dealt with have been uh, super cool. I know that uh, Paul London actually lived in my hometown because he was dating a, a wrestler that lived out here in Riverside. And uh, so I went to a couple parties with him and stuff, and he was cool too. So, yeah, everyone I've met uh, from WWE, sometimes it's uh, the jabronis, uh, the little local jabronis that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that think they're, uh, you know, shit don't stink. So Yeah, I, yeah, I really like Crash. He was there for uh, when I did my tryout at Iron. And then uh, he was like one of the judges for the tryout. And okay. then uh, I was there too, buddy. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, he, uh, he praised my promo skills. So that was the good oh, thing. Oh, nice. You know, I'm here today to try out for Pro Wrestling Iron. Pro Wrestling Iron has all the talent, the high flying ability, but it doesn't have the natural charisma that I have. Bison Smith. Two words for you, super cuts. You need to understand something here, buddy. In Temple Luca, Mexico this Sunday, me and you are going to go at it. And I'm going to say Bison, Bison. I'm going to come after you, and you're going to get it. One, two, three. And that's all I got to say about that. How much time? That was pretty good. What town? Temple Luca, Mexico. Temple Luca, Mexico. That was the only thing I did good in that whole trial. <laughs> I failed. Hey, like, it's a start. I it's the like most everything. important thing. You yeah. know, it's the most important thing. So, But I cut a good promo, and I was like, yeah. and, then, and that was the only thing I did. Um, but then, And then it's, I went to the memorial uh and i'm sure i think you went to that too yeah Pacifica, and that, i believe yeah. yeah and that Pacifica, that big church yeah that was really sad that was uh he was a uh, yeah he wasn't like he took it i think that's what i actually appreciated was like how seriously he took that like that tryout especially like you know he just came from the wwe like he could have really just kind of showed up you know said his hellos and just kind of chilled and not really done anything and mm -hmm. everyone still would have appreciated of having him be there you know what i mean yeah. And instead he was like, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to actually judge these people. I'm going to like, like he was very like into it. And I was like, that's kind of refreshing to see. Yeah. And he gave me such good advice that I carried on through the rest of my career. 
uh, at, uh, I don't know if it was the seminar or tryout, uh, whenever I dealt with him, he was helping us train. And one thing he taught, taught us about was just a heat spot. He was like, hey, what's your guy's favorite heat spot? And we were all saying, oh, like forearms, you know, chops. He's like, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, like your favorite cutoff spot. What is it, you know, that you do to cut, you know, if you're a heel to cut off the, the baby face opponent? And he kind of just schooled us on uh, basically the art of that, uh, you know, how to try to do it underhandedly, you know, and, and do all this stuff. Um, and when I became a coward heel later in EWF, I always remembered like, oh, yeah, my uh, cutoff has to be, you know, some cheap heat uh, to cut this guy off so uh, I could establish myself as a heel. And I learned that from uh, from Crash Holly and also selling because Crash Holly would say, you have this whole ring to sell. You know, you guys are taking a punch and just staying in the corner, you know. Um, so that was something that I always tried to do, too, is sell all the way around the ring. So, you know, take a punch and don't just take it in the corner. Take the punch and then try to escape to the other corner. Why are you just going to sit in one corner and let this guy punch you, you know? So try to get around. And then uh, that was something I always got complimented on, too, uh, later in my career as well. You really sell your ass off. And I'd be like, yeah, um, you know, I like to use the whole ring to sell. So, yeah. Um, and I learned that from Crash just from his one day there. So I can only imagine how much more we could have learned if he hadn't have passed away. So. Uh, any uh, embarrassing stories that came out of wrestling that, that that you were involved with? Anything, you know, something you were like, you know, but wrestlers or, wrestler, or like pranks or anything. You know, wrestlers can be vicious <laughs> sometimes. Anything like that? <laughs> um, yeah, but to me, it was kind of like they were bullying some kids, you know. So mm. I remember they did put a, what was that guy's name? He was a Sacramento guy, this little guy with this little curly hair. Kryptonite. Do you remember Kryptonite? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Kryptonite. Yeah. I remember they put dog shit in his car. And uh, I mean, it was funny because it smelled. Uh, mm. But, you know, I never liked bullying people. You know, I'm not a bully. So yeah. I thought it was also kind of mean. Um, but no, not nothing uh, that sticks out as, uh, as uh, no big pranks or anything like that. I have some inappropriate stuff that happened that uh, not into because we're all married now and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff, uh, you know, we had to share hotel rooms and stuff. So, you know, you could only imagine the shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this is the final question. This is, I like to call it the, uh, the touchy feely question of the podcast. Basically it's your pure joy in pro wrestling. The thing, whether it's before the match, during the match, after the match, you get the goosebumps, you feel it. And you're like, this is why I fucking love this business. This is why I fucking love wrestling. Okay. Yeah. For me, um, that was kind of something that I learned towards the end. Like I was saying, um, was just getting the reaction that you wanted, you know, uh, that you envisioned. So going in the back, putting together your match and thinking, you know, it's all going to lead up to this point. And at this point, this is the reaction we want to get. And then when you're able to go out into the ring and accomplish that goal and get the reaction at the end of the match that you're looking for, uh, that's always what I love. So, um, like I said, just wrestling. Um, yeah, it's all about just getting the reaction. So when you got the reaction uh, that you were actually going for and aiming for, uh, that's what would bring me joy. And that's what I love so much. And still to this day, you know, I work in the corporate world now, but before that it was, uh, you know, there's still nothing uh, can replace uh, wrestling in front of a live crowd uh, for me. So um, I haven't been happy for the last 10 years now, but, uh, but yeah, there hasn't been, uh, you know, I haven't been able to replace that with anything else. Uh, so like I said, I'm still looking uh, for my next creative outlet, but um, yeah, that was really it. Just when everything came together, your crowd, uh, out of the out of the live. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, you're a no great problem, guest. Bro. 
how I, one thing, uh, normally I would say at this point, I would say if you were an active wrestler, I'd say, you know, put yourself over as and promote yourself. But yeah. in, in lieu of that, uh, please tell anyone if they're not familiar uh, with the great Hook Bomberry, what matches should they look up that you think would really just embody how, who you were as a wrestler and some of your best work? Uh, I would say check out my whole EWF run. So um, if you just want to uh, try to find that on YouTube, just put Hook Bomberry versus any of those EWF shows, their full shows pop up, uh, you know, but then they have their time stamped uh, in the, the description area. So just check it out. Uh, check out my timestamps on all those. So I had a tag team title run there, a U.S. Uh, American title or U.S. title run there. Wrestled a lot of great people. Um, one, one match that I know is on there um, uh, that has a lot of well-known people in it nowadays is uh, it was me and Rocky Romero versus uh, TJP and Jack Evans from EWF. Uh, so that should be on there. Check out that match. It's easy to find. Um, and again, once Jesus Cruz puts up my match with uh, Bison Smith, check that out. Keep in mind, that was only my fourth uh, singles match, so it's not my, my greatest performance, but it was, uh, it was still a great match because uh, Bison was leading the dance. And, uh, of course, my PWG run, I would say to check out uh, my later PWG stuff when I was teaming with uh, TJP to finally see uh, uh, my final my final form as a pro wrestler that was it uh, wrestling with djp that was me at the uh, the end of my career so check that stuff out as well and if you want to follow me on twitter and instagram it's at cali revolt so c-a-l-i revolt um and you can follow me on uh twitter and instagram um if i don't recognize you on instagram i might not add you so i'm sorry but you could uh send me a message or something and i'll try to uh, approve that message all right thank you very much sir all right, Paul, uh, and all the wrestling fans out there. I miss you guys. I love you. So uh, thanks for all the support throughout my career. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe one day I'll, I'll be a referee or something. Who knows? <laughs>